is not for the faint of heart. You must be imaginative, strong-hearted. You must try things that may not work. And you must not let anyone define your limits because of where you come from. Your only limit is your soul. What I say is true. Anyone can cook. But only the fearless can be great. Pure poetry. Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to sally forth. Join the dynamic duo, Edwin and Megan, as they explore topics of gravitas and pomp brought to the brink of absurdity and thrown off, down, down, down the precipice of ridiculousness. Do I have to say hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver podcast? Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver podcast. Uh, hopefully you can tell that we have a new mic. Woo! It could be really edgy and be like finger snaps. Oh yeah. Beat Nick. Beat Nicking it out. That should be a thing. Beat Nicking it out. Yeah. And we beg your patience while we figure out the best settings for us, the mic, and your ears. Well, what are we talking about today, Edwin? We are talking about food in food movies and how the human or just the the soul of the artist is portrayed in these movies. Is that a good way to put it? I think so. I think I mean ultimately we're talking about there's there's three movies that are actually the best movies about food and people right, have these, tried these... over and over and there, there's movies that have food elements in it right because mm-hmm. like people can say like oh godfather right yeah lots of food in there iconic food you know mentioned yeah. food plays a role leave uh, the gun take the cannoli leave the gun take the cannoli exactly thank you but we're, we're talking about Movies that are purely food focused, like about a chef or someone who cooks or like some something around or some very important meal. That's what we're talking about. And there's there's surprising amount of those kinds of movies. A lot of them not amazing. Miss miss the mark. Miss the mark. I mean, it's not surprising that there's movies where food plays an instrumental part because food in our everyday lives plays an instrumental part. Absolutely. I mean, one one movie that kind of brings to mind is uh, 2001. That's not on our list. Mm. But yeah. people are eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In very mundane settings. It's just, it's just they're eating. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about the food in uh, The Seventh Seal, uh, when the knight shares the strawberries and the cream, with which is what would be, like, basically the... Would be Mary Joseph and and the child is kind mm-hmm. of what, and that's a very symbolic meal that he really lingers over. So there's there's lots of movies where food is an important part, uh, but this these are three movies that are food centric, talking about food, explaining food, using one art form to explore another art form. So yeah, that's very interesting, isn't it? I think. That has to do a little bit with taste because whenever you describe taste, mm. you always do it through some other medium. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's like a pop, like a zow. Like, what would you call that? <laughs> lightning-y? Exactly. It's <laughs> lightning-y. <laughs> it's burning, melty. It's not really a smoky taste. It, it, it's a certain... Oh, it's kind of like a... 
Oh, you, it's got like this sap kind of taste. Don't you think? What, what would you call that flavor? Lightning-y? Yeah. It's lightning-y! So it's, it's, that is, you need other words to describe what it is. Exactly. And movies have the advantage of using sound and visuals. And food is a story. Food is, is very literary as well, so that you can see a movie being being centered around a meal and that it would work. But these are three that are the best. We've deemed it so. We have, and I'm right, and everybody else is wrong. So let it be written, so let it be done. So let's let's get into our first one, which is our least good of the three best. Yeah. And that is Ratatouille. Why would you name a rat? <laughs> Just after a, a rat. It's, it's like, like a rat. And patootie. Hey, why did they call it that? But ratatouille. It's like a stew, right? Why did they call it that? If you're going to name a food, you should give it a name that sounds delicious. Ratatouille doesn't sound delicious. It sounds like rat and patootie. Rat patootie, which does not sound delicious. <laughs> oh, yes. So... The, the whole premise of Ratatouille, I don't, are we going to do like whole whole synopsis or are we just going to get into... People know Ratatouille. People know Ratatouille. Can, you, the other two are a little bit more obscure, but okay. we, we can jump okay. feet first, head first. It's, just, it's a rat who cooks. That's basically all yeah, you need to know. Yeah, just accept it. That's what happens. It's Pixar. Deal with it. Uh, so the, the premise of it, like the, the question, the, the big question that they're dealing with is uh, something that Gusto that his tagline was anyone can cook and this is controversial it is inspiring and so what is the truth of the matter and that's what the the movie explores can anyone cook is that a lie does that belittle the art form if you say anyone can cook is that inspiring i don't know so they have to watch a two and a half hour movie to find out. Exactly. I mean, this. I mean, also again, typical Pixar, which I think is maybe a weakness of it. They throw in a lot of themes and a lot of things to explore, and I and I think sometimes they yeah. get a little bit confused, a little bit conflicted, but they do bring it home in a beautiful way. Yeah. Uh, and so they save it, and it's one of my top Pixar movies. Oh yeah, for sure. I think it's my top two. Pixar. Top two, the other one being... The uh, Incredibles. Okay. Incredibles yeah. is my favorite. It's incredible. Oi. Uh, so, anyone can cook. So, we have Remy, and his gift is not appreciated. And I think that's mm. some... It's not, it's not appreciated the way he wants it to be right. appreciated. He is then... They, they find a, that he's a very discerning palate, a very good sniffer He's a, he's a super taster. He's a super taster. He's a super smeller, and he can smell if something is poisoned. But I would say his gift isn't appreciated, but then it is changed to fit the community ideal. Right? So yes. it's like it's saying, like, sure, 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 you have this innate gift. Let me morph it into something that fits in my paradigm. Right. Well, I think that's the thing, right? It's taking this gift, which is truly an artistic gift, and making it something pragmatic. Yeah. So oh, you're good like, at painting? Yeah. Well, you know what? I kind of need a logo for my business, so I guess you can do that. And right. you can make some money that way. You can yeah. find some meaning within the larger community that way. Exactly. This is this is how you fit in. Don't pursue your gifts, but yeah. just like work around it. 
So it's like, it's not like you're completely disregarding it, but it's not actually what you're meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Remy isn't fights it, against... Isn't it interesting that he fights against it, and he fights against it because it's not a generative act, right? Yeah. This whole thing is like, it's, it's, it's stealing. All we do is steal. Yes. And what we steal, we'll steal garbage. garbage. And then his dad's like, well, it's not stealing if nobody wants it. Yeah. And then Remy, of course, says, like, if nobody wants it, why are we eating it? Yeah. Uh, so, like, for, for Remy's dad, food is fuel. And Remy's point of view is, we are what we eat. I want to eat the good stuff. Yeah. So, completely different ideas. Uh, so, that's... Yeah, that I, I find that interesting how he stands up for him himself in that, and that he is at odds. But he doesn't want to break away from his family. No, I mean, that's never... Like, he's kind of forced... He is forced into it. Yeah. Because of his love, because he has to save the cookbook. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of, his love of food kind of forces his hand, but is not a purposeful right. breaking of. He, he's like continually trying to figure out a way to make both worlds work. Yeah. Through the whole movie. Through Yeah. And I think it's beautiful that they are reconciled in the end. Yeah. And that they are brought together that the father doesn't totally understand it. But he's okay with it, and he understands it more. Yeah. Than he did at at the beginning. So once the plot device really gets rolling, and mm-hmm. we actually get Remy where we wanted him the, the whole movie, which is in a kitchen. Yeah. When, of of his inspiration, Gusto, of, like Gusto's mm-hmm. restaurant. Whereas yeah. Gusto is very interestingly like his conscience and his imaginary friend. I find that play really interesting. So is Gusto actually real? Is Gusto God? <laughs> is Yeah, is Gusto God? That's a very good, interesting idea. Well, I mean, like, he's... You get a feeling that Gusto is the one directing the course of the plot. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. It's not... He's not a simple, like, he's not a normal character in a book or a movie. No, because you never see him being alive, right? Yeah. You see him on TV, and then you see him uh, only as Remy's imagination yeah. of him. So you, you don't actually get to truly know who Gusto was. Uh, so I, I think that is an interesting thing, too. And like, then maybe there's, a lot of don't... Peop- there's a lot of people like warping the image and yes. message of Gusto, right? Yeah, you ha- you have who used to be Gusto's sous chef, now head chef, uh Skinner who is distorting it and his his image and making him the face of frozen meals just to make a buck. Like Skinner's just out for the money. Right. And he's using the image of Gusto to to make all of this money. It's not actually yeah. Skinner's work. Yeah, now you have Remy, like you were saying, in the kitchen, or actually overlooking the kitchen, mm-hmm. and talking to his, talking to Gusto, the character Gusto, and pointing out like how the kitchen works, who's doing what, and then the plongeur, um, <laughs> yes, he uh, the uh, linguini, he knocks over some soup, and uh, Gusto says, "Well, he could cook." I was like, "No, no, no." He, 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 I mean, he could, but not everyone should. Yeah, so Remy also doesn't fully understand. Remy, Remy's a little snooty. He is a little snooty. He's like, uh, I know it, like, what you say works for me because I have this gift. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. 
Uh, but by him, like, sure, technically. Not the garbage boy. Yeah, so he's also, like, turning up his nose at the garbage boy Linguini, just like everybody else is. Mm-hmm. I do love, and the the music and the animation in this movie are, is so good. And they, they work together so well. Because when, when Remy tries to escape from the kitchen after Linguini spilled the soup, and he's ruined it, right? Because he's trying yeah. to fix it, but he's making a mess of it. Yeah. Just making it worse, which as as someone who cooks, and I know that you're suspending your disbelief, but because it's cooking, I, I can't. Uh, there's no way he made it that bad. Like, yeah, gagging, and bar- boozing, people yeah. are barfing because of this soup. There's yeah. no way with, like, the water and, like, I don't know, like, the one spice. Five vegetables. Five vegetables he put in. I'm like, there's no way he made it that bad. <laughs> I seriously doubt it. But anyways, Remy runs along. He's trying to escape, and he's like, I'm free. I can get out of this situation. I need to survive. Like, that yeah. survival instinct of, I need to survive. Yeah. But then, all of a sudden, he is overwhelmed. With by, the artistic with spirit. The, with the artistic spirit. like, And that he, he just needs to create, and he needs to fix it, because he knows what would make it good. He can't yes. turn a blind eye to it because yeah. he knows how to make it beautiful and that's where like one of my favorite scenes of him dancing around yes. the soup pot and like throwing everything in um another cooking thing like the proportions that the rat is throwing in it's not going to make a difference yeah like the three like slices of leek that yeah. he throws in there yeah. probably not going to make a difference but the joy yeah and the music well- together like The emotion of cooking is 100% there. And this is oh, why yeah. it's on my list. And and the emotion and pic- pictorial nature that they do for tasting things. Mm. Right? Where like, oh, you take yes. one flavor and you take another flavor, you mix them together. It's something completely unique and yes. wonderful. Yeah. And the world is full of these endless combinations yes. uh, to, to fill your senses with the new and the beautiful and the exciting uh, so he he fixes the soup and he ends up pitching in with Linguini. Yeah. Because Linguini's hopeless and Remy can't cook because he's a rat. Yeah. So you can cook and I know how to be human. <laughs> I love Linguini. I think yeah. he's kind of underrated. Yeah. The more I watch it, the more more um, impressed yeah. I am with his character. And that as, Remy as, actually as really a loser teenage kid. But I I find Linguini gets a little bit brushed aside because he is a little bit the doofus. He, and this yeah. and Remy kind of screws him over a lot. Yeah. Like he does things that actually doesn't help Linguini. And also just that Linguini is is searching for his place as much as Remy. So you really have to look at Linguini as yeah. a parallel character. Yeah. Even though you and don't really get the family background until almost the end of the movie. Yeah. You get a familial bond. Mm-hmm. But he is looking for his place as much because this is kind of his yeah. last resort. And he does find a place, right? He mm-hmm. finds it as a server. He does. Yeah. Exploring that theme of anyone can cook, right? So it's interesting because Linguini doesn't try to cook. It's not like Remy tries to teach him how to cook. Mm-hmm. 
It's really right? Linguini as the puppet. Yeah. But Linguini learns a lot from Colette, I think, yeah. and how to be more efficient. Yeah, but he's being direct. Remy learns just as much. Yes. Right? Yeah, Remy does learn. Yeah. I mean, it does add for a, a lot of hilarity, right? Because of the one test dish, the, the special order, and mm-hmm. he like disregards mm-hmm. her advice and shocking. Yeah. Ah! So no, that's that's the thing. Like what what gets tense between like what what Remy and Lou. Linguini think is they have a really sweet deal because Linguini's keeping his job and he's getting the accolades mm-hmm. and Remy gets to cook. But after a while, Remy just treats Linguini as a puppet and like, I'm doing everything. I'm, right. I'm the brains. Yeah. I'm the better part of this team. Yes. And Linguini stops giving him the credit because his head is getting filled with all the, the accolades and because the, he's yeah, human, he's yeah. getting praised and he's never been praised before. Uh, and, and Remy retaliates. He, he breaks the trust yeah. and he breaks the, the bond and he lets his family in to, to eat the restaurant's food. Oops. Yeah. Uh, so that's, but his, his father shows him about all the, the dead rats and that's like the darkest part of the movie. And it's, I, I find it, a somewhat out of place. Because, but I, I think I understand it a little bit better now that it's the father trying to bring his perspective. Yes. And later on, Anton Ego, the food critic, says, uh, you provide the food, I'll provide the perspective. And and so I think they're trying to bring out that there's many perspectives going on here. And, trying and where to- does it fit in a narrative? Yeah. Does- and like, where does the anyone can cook fit in with people's perspective like does it make sense in in the perspective of life and so what remy is he's he's tired of taking he's he wants to create something and he wants to influence nature and stop killing the rats like he he wants to say like we should be able to yeah it's a little bit hippy dippy that like you can he strikes me as a young idealist yeah and I mean, we've all been there. Yeah, but like the beginning of the movie says, he clearly needs to rethink his life. Yeah, so there, there's definitely a lot of growing up for Remy. Where I don't, his father's right that it's not going to change. Like humans are still going to try to kill rats, and rats are going to still steal food. Yes, but this is one small way to move forward and to treat people as individuals and say, like in this individual case, is the way to move forward. Yeah, and it's interesting that the individuality comes forth in, in art. And what it, good art does is it calls everybody to something unique in themselves. So when the climax comes and the mm-hmm. final dish is served to Anton Ego, what does it do? Make some reminisce. Yeah. And it's interesting that it's that reminiscence and putting cooking... And putting art in a story of history is is what makes it powerful. Yeah, and I'm just thinking this now. It is another family connection. Because it's his mother that made the ratatouille. And that is what he is remembering. So he is connected to community. So Remy is trying to reconcile and be 
connected to his family. Linguini doesn't know his family. He doesn't know his past, that Gusto is his father. His mother is dead. And so, yes, he's an orphan now, technically, but he has that connection. Like, this is who I am. Like, I get the full picture of who I am. And he gets the the restaurant family, right? He gets Colette. So it's about finding remembering and bringing together family community. Yeah. Anyone can cook. Is it true? And I, the movie ends with ego saying, I have made no secret of my disdain for chef Gusto's famous motto. Anyone can cook, but I realize only now do I truly understand what he meant. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. Because what I love about this movie is that it's not a simplistic, oh, Linguini learned to cook. Yep. Remy goes off and cooks in, in the rat town and the bebop and band and he's flipping flapjacks and like his family is in like like miniature rat kitchen and Linguini's in the big kitchen and yeah. they're separate and happy lives, right? They found their place. It's much more complicated than that and that Linguini isn't able to cook. That's just not his skill set. But what he can do is he can run a restaurant, he can serve, and he can be a a friendly person and he can be the 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 gap like the the bridge between the the rat world and the human world. Yeah. I would agree with that. Not anyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. And I feel like that's that's not something that's easy to argue against because not everybody is a great artist. But no. sometimes artists come from backgrounds you would never Anticipated. Think or anticipate. Yes. I mean, you wouldn't anticipate Beethoven being a great composer, right? You just wouldn't. Yeah. And the, the the movie backs it up though to show you what kind of person it would take, because the, it says that only the fearless can be great. So you mm-hmm. have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to fail. Yeah. It also says. Uh, you have to love to eat. Yeah. Right? Like someone who loves to eat. Well, will which be... means that if you're just, any artist needs to love what they do. Yes. In the most fundamental way. And, and also like love consuming it. Like not only love painting, but love looking at other people's paintings. Like you, right. you just have to love the whole part of it. And I just, I, I love that line when his father says, when, when Remy finally says, you know what, I need to stick up for Linguini. I got to help him. I got to go back. I can't just abandon him. That his father says, why do you care? And Remy says, because I'm a cook. And that movie is just like, like that part is just so soaring. And that swell in your heart, that triumphant is like saying charge into battle because he's He's he gets it now, and he's found his place, mm-hmm. and uh, so I I think anyone can cook. Bravo! Now can anyone segue into our next movie, which is yeah? So so can you have a restaurant in paradise? <laughs> I don't think so. Hmm. Not C- can for you, long. Can you have a restaurant named Paradise? Yes. All right. 
So we're going to mo be moving into Big Night, made 1996 by, um, co-written by Stanley Tucci, I think co-directed, acted by Stanley Tucci, uh, Tony Shalhoub, and I think maybe you want to give a little plot rundown, because I always get stuck in the weeds when I do these. I <laughs> All right. So... Why don't you give just a little little rundown, give people give people the idea of what's going on. We break in with an opening shot overlooking the sea on the eastern seaboard of the United States. See, this is what I States. do! I yeah. just give, like, the whole movie. I'm like, yeah. okay, you have two hours, yeah. I'm going to tell you the whole movie, yeah. scene for scene. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I thought my impersonation was delightful. <laughs> you were trying to do me thanks. Yes. Thanks. You're so welcome. <laughs> All right, let's... In a world where two brothers own a restaurant and the bank is foreclosing on their loan. They rise to the challenge of one big night. <laughs> it's like the Honest Trailers guy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, thank I you. I love it. Yeah. If they can only get Louis Prima to come eat at their restaurant on this big night, everything will be saved. Otherwise... Disaster. <laughs> this is the worst plot rundown ever. Two brothers immigrated from Italy to open a restaurant in New York. Now, one is named Primo, one named Secundo, first, second. They have a interesting dynamic, the, the two of them, because what it is is Primo is the artist, Secundo is, he doesn't know what he is. That's, Honest, what, that's what the movie's that's about. That's what it's the like, movie's who about. Who is Secundo? Who is Secundo? Is he a businessman? Is he the one who mm -hmm. supports the artist? Who is he? And then, as they struggle through having a failing restaurant, their restaurant is failing for many different reasons, but it is failing. Bank is going to foreclose on their loan. They have one opportunity to have a big event, get everybody together, show how wonderful their food is, and hopefully just just hang on by a thread. Mm -hmm. All they're looking for is survival. I mean, really, is the, the problem of, like, the art is good, they're just not getting the exposure. Yeah. Uh, so the, yeah, so it's basically, can they, this last meal, that can they can they save themselves? And... They can uh, make great scarves, but can anybody find them on the, the Etsy? <laughs> Does anybody see? Does anybody see? See the adorable mushroom ornaments. Anyone out there? Can you hear me? What theme yeah. would you like to pull out mm. and dissect and then reassemble and overarchingly discuss? I think there's there's two things that are or like the theme that I would say is is very helpful for looking at this movie is that the restaurant that Primo and Secundo own is called Paradise. Mm -hmm. And right across the street, it is contrasted by Pascal's. And I don't know what Pascal translates to. I'm just assuming it's, it's nothing. It's innocuous. Um, but is that the right word? It's unimportant. It's unimportant. But what is important is that Pascal's restaurant is is shown as a place of earthly delights of temptation hedonism. hedonism there's 
lots of red. Like, everything inside is very red and very, like, noisy. Garish. Garish inside. There's lots of drinking. There's, you know, loose people. Women. Loose women. hanging around. Um, there's just enormous lopped plates of food. Uh, there's over the top, like there's lots of fire images because when we yeah. first see Pascal, he is lighting some sort of dish on fire, like some sort of table side to like impress these mm-hmm. important guests and there's fire. So I would say that if you keep in, in mind that the restaurant is paradise and Pascal is the devil, what you have is Secundo stuck in the middle. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And he's being tempted. I think it's a movie about temptation. Mm-hmm. It's a movie where he knows, or he almost knows, what the right thing is. Mm-hmm. But he's a wanderer. He's, he said, he's called, he's, Secundo is out wandering. He's a wanderer. Mm-hmm. And Which means he has no place he fits. Yeah. No, and it, it's, I mean, sometimes we have a romantic view of, like, the wanderer. And we've talked about border stalkers. But it's bad in the sense where he has no sense of place. And, and he is self. And self. And that he is not grounded in in goodness. Like, he is looking and he is being tempted by the devil because he sees what Pascal has. Secundo is on a date with his girlfriend Phyllis, played by Minnie Driver, and they're, you know, making out, and, but he's, like, all of a sudden, like, no, 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 I can't do this, and it's, kind of goes to show that he can't commit himself to anything. Yeah. And, like, he makes a justification and everything like that, but she knows that it's his wandering again that's the issue. Yeah. Because cause he says, Secundo says, oh, it's about my brother and it's about money, right? I, I want to mm. be more settled. I want So he wants to be settled and stable. Yeah. But he's the one causing himself not to be settled and stable. Yeah. Uh, Pascal, I think, is the most just wonderful, devious. Like Oh, he's bad. He's bad, but he doesn't look bad right away. But he is. Like, that scene, okay. Breaking down that scene where Secundo is in his back office when he's asking Pascal for money, right? Mm-hmm. How they shoot it with looking over the, the lamp. Yeah. And so that the lamp, like, it starts with Pascal looking over it, and then he knocks it down. Yeah. And then Secundo's barely looking over it. And you have, again, that power play, right? When any Anytime you have a, a character down low and a character up high, you yeah. know who's the dominant one. Yeah. And to, to have Pascal, like looming over him but trying to like schmooze with him yeah you know and say like oh this is what you need to do and get give the people what they want and later you can give them what you want and it sounds so good when he says it sounds like good business advice sounds very pragmatic so pragmatic so smart give the people what they want sneak in the good stuff later yeah you know and and secundo's also like you know Primo, like, just make what what make what the people want, right? Like, we're we're not a school, we're a restaurant. Yeah. For the lady with the risotto. What? Why? She likes starch. I don't know. Come on. Spaghetti <laughs> with with rice. You want to talk to her? She's a Philistine. No, she's a Philistine. I'm not gonna talk to her. She not understand anyway. <laughs> 
It makes no difference anyways. Oh, it's so funny. And I, I will... And, like, we can talk... Let's talk about the tone of the movie. It gets labeled a comedy. I find it really hard to say it's a true comedy. And I don't think it's quite a black comedy. But there are seriously funny things in it. It's a real-to-life movie. It's, I would say it's more slice-of-life than it is comedy, like, straight up. I I found, the first time I watched it, I found it difficult to watch. Yeah, you were it, cut up from it. Yeah, well, like, these people were such real characters. Yeah. Like, you knew it wasn't, like, going to be easy for them, even if it worked out well. Yeah. And it probably wasn't going to work out well. Yeah. And it just, it's not fun watching real people struggle through real life. Yeah. Right? Like, movies... A lot of movies are not really depicting life. They're depicting what we hope life would be like. Yes. Yes. Right? And then when you, like, watch a movie that really depicts life, one, it's incredibly boring. Right? Okay. Yes. But, like, a well-done movie depicting yeah. life isn't boring, but it will show the mundacity of life. Right. It doesn't shy away from what makes life life like the the small boring stuff in between exactly well Um, one movie that i think of is very real in fact it's almost a documentary is uh uh 1517 i was thinking the same one when you're talking about the mundaneness of life like that movie it hurts to watch sometimes because the dialogue is verbatim what i've said like saying like back and forth i'm like this is what I go to the movies to come away from. I watch Tennessee Williams where nobody ever will speak like that. Ever. Yeah, yeah, like, talking <laughs> complete sentences with clearly defined paragraphs. <laughs> with but, velvety textures written all over our faces. But we need that. We need those movies. Not every t- not every movie needs to be that. But we need these movies because they are reflective like they they bring you to view your life like okay mm-hmm. where am i cuz i i it's funny like depending on the day where i watch it i'm either prima or secundo <laughs> and i'm really i mean the naming itself like they're 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 one coin right they're two halves of the same coin one yeah. two yeah. right they they're together so that you relate to both i think you are supposed to but i i think definitely the struggle of secundo is what you will connect to in this movie yeah uh, so yeah, you have Pascal, the the devil, tempting, and it's. But I find that line so difficult. Give the people what you want, you know what they want, and later on you can give them what you want. Mm-hmm. Does that actually work? Like, it sounds so good, and so that's. It sounds like it just makes good sense. It sounds and and. The, but the question pre- yeah. of the movie is: Can yeah. you do such a thing without selling your soul? Exactly, and that's where I, that's where I'm thinking the key to this movie is paradise and hell. Yeah. And it's about, will Secundo sell his soul? Yeah, that's, is, that's the question of the whole movie. That's the whole question of the movie. So Pascal says, hey, look, look, look at my wall here, you know, Humphrey yeah. Bogart. Hun- yeah. Can I just say that Ian Holm is incredible? Such an incredible actor. But he just kills it in this movie. Yeah. Uh, the accent is flawless, and uh, he's just so good at being charming. And I think that's something that... The devil is charming. The, the, like, I don't know, like, the devil, we think about, like, the trident and, like, the... I don't know, like, the blatantly evil, but, like, the devil of the Bible... We often and think we, of Hitler as, as, yeah. as the devil. And, and we gotta... 
I don't know, I think of, like, the temptation of Jesus or, like, you know, the devil, like, read Milton's Paradise Lost. Like, the devil is a smooth tongue liar. Mm-hmm. That's, so, like, his, he's a deceiver first. Yeah. He's going to try to get you by lies, and he's not going to show his hand right away. Right, and by offering you what you want. Yes. I will give you anything you want. Pascal, what Pascal wants to get out of this is he wants Paradise to close and Primo to work for him. Yeah. Because he recognizes how amazing Primo is. Yeah, it's it's, it's undisputed throughout the whole movie how good Primo is. It's, it's not in He's question. number one, you could say. But um dump No, that, that's exactly why his name is one. Yeah. He is, he is number one. Um, you are number six. <laughs> Where am I? In the village. What do you want? Information. Whose side are you on? That would be telling. We want information. 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 You won't get it by hook or by crook. We will. Who are you? The new number two. Who is number one? You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. <laughs> do, 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 okay. ADHD, ADHD. <laughs> awesome. I don't know where I was going with this. Primo's number one. So what, what Pascal really wants is, is the restaurant to show, shut down. Yeah. And that he sees that Secundo could be really helpful. Yeah. Uh, but he really wants Primo. And I think that yeah. is very hard for Secundo. Yeah. To be second. Yeah. You're not the best, but you can come along too. Yeah. Because you're kind of on the coattails of your brother. You're, you know, yeah. Because you, you got to have Primo. If you want Primo, you kind of got to have Secundo. Secundo. It kind of goes together. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, kudos to Primo. He's kind of set that precedent. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think Secundo but, has realized. But but Primo recognizes Secundo's worth. He does. Which is why Primo's in, in Paradise, because Primo's the best. What Pascal wants is Paradise to close, because he's the devil, and that makes sense. So he says, look at my wall. I have all these famous people here. I have Humphrey Bogart, and he's eaten at my restaurant, and he's, you know, giving me, you know, like, and mm-hmm. like, how about this guy? Oh, that's, that's Louis Prima, famous mm-hmm. jazz guy. I know Louis Prima. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to get him to come to your restaurant. No, you do that for me? I do that for you. That's going to fix everything. You need to get the names in your restaurant. Right, because you you don't have good enough publicity, and you know if if a celebrity endorses your product, then people are going to love it. Yeah, you even know? if you have to get that endorsement through, basically uh, bribing them with bottles of champagne, which yeah. is what he said he did with Bogart. Right? Exactly, exactly. Bogart, he just bribed. He just said, you know, here's the, my most expensive champagne. Yep. Compliments. Two years ago, he was in town. I send the champagne, the best, to him at his hotel. Complimentary Pascal. That's it. On my card. Like that. Complimentary Pascal. By hand, I write. Eh? Two days later, I get that picture. Signed to me. See? Huh? Look at that picture there. What? Six months later. Who do you see uh, having a dinner in this restaurant? Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart. 
compliment to Pascal. Oh, there's so much great dialogue in that movie. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, he says, yeah, you're, you're going to do this Hail Mary because otherwise the bank is going to foreclose on paradise. This is their, their last chance. This is their, their last supper. They're, mm-hmm. getting, they're pulling everything out of the bank for, for Louis Prima. Yeah. And through it, they're, they're preparing for this supper. And Primo gets, gets kind of upset. And he says, people should just come for the food. Not not because of of Louis Prima because Secundo's like yeah 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 they're coming because of Louis Prima mm-hmm. and and Primo knows that people should just come for the food and Secundo's like I know but they don't mm-hmm. and then later on when he's shopping at Anne's and she's like oh yeah I know I know Louis Primo and he's buying flowers from his crush yeah and he what's the first thing he asks is he good is he good. And I'm like, that's such a primo thing to care about. Like, he, he doesn't care about, is he popular? Right. He wants to know what kind of music, because primo doesn't know. He listens to opera. Yeah. So he's like, okay, what, what is this jazz? Like, what is mm-hmm. this thing that he does? And he doesn't ask, is he popular? He asks, is he good? Yeah. Whereas Secundo right now is in the train of thought, oh, he's popular. Doesn't really care. Louis Primo could be anybody. Yeah. As long as it's a big name. Because he doesn't really know. He kind yeah. of fakes it. Did you notice in that scene? He's like, who's that? He's like, uh, it's Louis Prima. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big jazz guy, right? Yeah. You know, he's kind of like, he kind of knows, but he doesn't really know. Yeah. Uh, and then, then he gets all his records and is playing it in the restaurant. They're they're pulling out everything from their bank account to, to do this. And uh, while they're doing that... Secundo sees Pascal burning a chef. Yeah. Where he's being fired, and again, there's fire, there's yeah. flames, and there's Pascal chasing this chef with, like, a bodyguard or whatever yeah. he would be. And it's interesting, that little moment where he's just driving by, and not much is done with it. But I, I wonder if there's, like, a little seed in there. Where Secundo is kind of thinking about it, but then he pushes it aside. Yeah. And, like, you can kind of see Secundo see, like, oh, it's interesting. Like, you can kind of almost see the writing on the wall that, that it makes sense that he would want Primo. Yeah. And maybe for a split second, it, it flitters across his mind that... He wasn't set up for success yeah. with this big night. Yeah. But then he's thinking, then he, like right away you have like the, the Cadillac. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, I want to get the Cadillac. And then he gets the cheap booze. So what's your take on Gabriella and, and Phyllis? Well, it's the whole fact that he can't, commit. can't decide. He yeah. can't commit to, to one woman and he can't. He can't decide whether he's just in it for fun or if he's actually really committed to a, an actual mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah, because I, I think he really loves Phyllis. Yeah. But I wonder if he wants Gabriella because Pascal has. Yeah. There's a usury going on because Secundo uses Gabriella 
to get cheap booze yeah. because of her connection to Pascal. And Gabriella is using Pascal to get money. Yeah. She's in it for the money as well. Yes. Like, she's fully aware of what a despicable person he is. And fully aware of what a despicable person she is. Yeah. Yeah, she she knows who she is. Yeah. She changes at the end. The well, meal yeah. changes her. Yeah. Because she's the one who rats out... Uh, Pascal. Pascal. So let's talk about the meal and then we'll talk about the ending. Okay. The cooking scenes are flawless. Oh, they remind us, remind me of us in the kitchen. Absolutely. I, I think it's so funny. Absolutely. Like us prepping and one cooking and, yeah. you know, like, hey, don't, don't chop the garlic too fine. What do you mean? I don't chop the garlic too fine. Well, sometimes you do. Yeah. Sometimes, like, and then oh, it's too oh. strong. And then it's too strong if you do. And he's like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I, I can't cut your garlic. Well, here, yeah. just, yeah. you know, well, you do it yourself. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. Like, I'm just saying just... sometimes, like, oh, fine, fine. I'm, I... Yeah. I'm, <laughs> no, it's okay. I just don't want to cut the garlic. <laughs> and that's where, like, you, you have to build this relationship. And they do such a good job of, like, the sibling. Yeah siblings together and the the groaning of primo's like okay this is a big night primo's like okay this is what we're doing uh which by the way primo's only doing it because he doesn't know that pascal is involved yeah pa- primo sees right through pascal and so secundo and pascal have to lie to get primo on board they're kind of like deciding what their menu should be, right? And yes, Phyllis, can I ask you to get me the white tub from over there, please? Mm-hmm. And the Cristiano, my friend, the other one. No. Now first, uh, we must clean them. Primo, timpano, are you crazy? There is not the time. And the seco, and you start the rally. Look. What's timpano? Primo, I have to be serious here. I mean, what you get Seco, you tell me this is a big night. No. What are we making here exactly? Timpano. Oh my God. Is it pasta? No. With a special crust. No. See? no and is it no, is a shape no, like no, like a drum? No. Like a timpani drum. What do you do? What do you do? And the inside. Come on, please, my God. All of the most important things in the world. He's the one who didn't tell him that they were out of money and that this was their yes. last shot. Yeah. And then okay. Primo's reaction is like, okay, I'm gonna do the very best I can do. Yeah, like we need by to- doing this dish that's practically impossible. Yes. They do timpano, yeah. which is this glorious dish. It's like lasagna kicked up 3,000 notches. Yeah. It's uh, layered with all these beautiful things wrapped in a, in a pasta crust. And so they, they layer it and bring it all together. And, uh, you know, so and it's just interesting how to see the preparation of the food and how that brings them together and how they understand their place, which is solidified at the very final scene. But every time they have a fight, it is the kitchen that brings them back together. Yeah. And a lot of times there'll be Secundo who's come back into the kitchen. So he's behind the stove and he's doing things. And then, then Primo will come back in and, in a seamless way, they switch spots where yeah. Secundo goes into the prep station and Primo takes over the range. 
and it's it's without words. It's just like seamlessly they're checking one things and just mm-hmm. ki- they're kind of testing the waters. Like, are we good? Yeah. And I, I'm sure, like as as I know for us as siblings, and I'm sure other people can relate. You have you have these fights where you know you've forgiven each other. Yeah. And almost, you don't want to belabor the fact anymore. You you just want to move on from it because yeah. you both know that you were being stupid and misunderstanding and not listening to one another. Yeah. And you've you've forgiven each other. You you trust the relationship enough. Yes. But you're kind of testing the waters when you first come together. So that there's that like little quiet there, and then you just want to work in peace for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so that's really beautifully done. So they they have this this gorgeous big feast and they're bringing the community together. They're inviting their their artist friend who can never afford to to eat there, but he eats there all the time. And then he gives them paintings. Yeah, where well, Primo's always like, oh, I love it. It's a landscape. And it's like all abstract and like, and I don't think Primo gets it, but he loves it because it's like his friend. Like, do you think? Yeah. I, I don't think he always gets what his friend the artist is doing, but he supports but he reco- him. But he recognizes that the artist is is, is good. And yes. Also, and also um, another starving artist. He, yes. Like, like, I will feed you. Game recognizes game. <laughs> uh, and so they get Anne, the uh, the florist. Who is also someone who's really an artist who's very good at what she does. That's true. Because of the phone call when he comes in, he says, ah. Somebody did not do their job. Yeah. And he's, she's like, no, they didn't. She's like, he did not take it seriously, yeah. the importance of, of your flowers. Yeah. And she's very, I think she's very struck by, yeah, my flowers are important. And somebody didn't think it was important. Yeah. And something as silly as having nice flowers, Primo takes so seriously. Yes. Because he recognizes the art. Yeah. And the beauty, like that we have to mm-hmm. have these these beautiful flowers. You, you want to pick the best, and he yeah. wants to pick something special. Him squeezing into the case. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, Tony Shalhoub in this movie. Who, who is Monk, by the way? Yes. Yeah, you you know him from, from Monk. He, is a, he was a big um, stage Broadway actor, I think, is where he's done most of his... His work? His work. He is just so funny. Talking to Anne about the book, like he just nails the the immigrant not really knowing what to say, like knowing how to say things. And then also he has a crush on this girl, so he's kind of awkward and doesn't know what to say, but he wants to say something, so he's yes. just loitering around. Uh, and so he's just. But like, then he's <laughs> he's too shy to actually ask her to the party. Yes. Like, oh, isn't uh, that the thing in conversations when you know you have something you're supposed to ask the person, but then you're too shy, but then you yeah. didn't you don't have anything to say, so then you walk away. Yeah, and then you and walk then, away, and they're like, oh, I forgot. Like you didn't I, no, forget. No, no, I've had it where I've totally remembered, and oh. I was too too scared to too ask. chicken. I was too chicken, and I'm like, is something just. Yeah, it's something like, do you want to come to the dinner? Yeah. Something so simple, uh, but I can't do it. Yeah, and then you overanalyze it and yeah. like, oh, they'll feel obliged to come yes. even though they don't really want to come. And then, yeah. you know, I'm a real big jerk then because, like, I didn't take into consideration. Maybe Like, see, he was he was going to ask her yeah. until she he, he asked her what her plans were. Yes. And it was to take a bath and read her book. Yes. So which, he, which in, in girlies is, I'm doing nothing. Yes. 
But he is like right away like, oh yeah, you have to read your book in the tub. Like that sounds valid. I, yeah. I don't want to disturb you. No, they're like that's a legit thing you need to be worried about. It's like <laughs> spitting in some tub time. Oh, poor guy. Poor guy. Oh, Secundo gets the, the Cadillac dealer to come and mm-hmm. they get the, the grocer to come. And uh, they get, you know, some other friends and stuff, like people via via to come. Yeah. So it's, it's again, community building. There's people coming together who wouldn't normally be together uh, sharing this feast. Yeah. And what follows is 20 minutes of the most glorious dinner ever. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because they, they somehow are able to, to show the escalation of a really good feast. Where mm-hmm. um, each dish builds upon itself. Yeah. And then even when people are too full to eat anymore, because it's so good, they eat some more. Yeah. And that's and, and also that the pacing of a dinner, like they're all waiting for Louis Prima, right? Mm-hmm. So they're waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally, like, Secundo's like, everybody's getting drunk. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, they're getting tired. Like, we, we got to feed them. So that's when they finally... Break it all out. Break it all out. Before that, though, what I think is interesting is to get some more time with Primo is is Anne. Anne goes into the kitchen with Primo, and Primo is talking to her about food. food. Yeah. And, like, taste this and and, and this. And he, he says, To eat good food is to be close to God, to have the knowing, and then corrected, the knowledge of God. It is the bread of angels. And I think that's kind of the the key to food and, and art in general is that it, it reveals something about God. And to taste good food is to have the knowledge of God. Like to know and I think that the, the way he said it first, knowing uh, not the same knowledge as God, right? Not to be God, but to have the knowledge of him, like to see him yes. revealed, to know him as a relationship even further. Yeah. And so I that's kind of what the whole point is. And that's and I, I think you can look at this if you want to pick out biblical themes besides paradise and hell, mm-hmm. uh, you can view this as a as a last supper. Because they're broke after this. Yeah. So it's it's a Last Supper, and Primo and and Secundo, but but Primo is giving giving it all, right? Like it's. Yeah. He's he's sacrificing, and like his art is a sacrifice. Yeah. To to be who he is is a sacrifice. Uh, so then everybody breaks into the kitchen, and then they decide to eat. Yeah. And I forget now how many courses it is. Seven? I think seven would make sense. I think it's seven. So they, and like you said, like the escalation of like, they have the soup and then they have risotto and then they have timpano and they're like, wow, timpano, this is amazing. Wow, this is the best, you know, great meal. Thank you very much. And then they pull out a suckling pig. Yeah, a roasted suckling pig. And people's looks of just like, Almost despair. Despair? Like, I was just, I was going to say agony. Like, yeah. the agony of, like, my stomach. Yeah. You know? But they're also, like, I have to eat all of it. Yeah. It looks so good. 
and and what you have there is instead of fire and red, you have the spilling of wine and you have soft candlelight and white linens and and so it's it's a picturesque like it's a beautiful setting as well oh, like yeah, you have the, the, the and you have the too. crystals and so it's it's like a heavenly like in the long table like it, yeah. it really is a much more in contrast like remember to think of pascal's you don't see pascal's besides that one time in the movie yeah so if you're seeing it for the first time do really pay attention to, to what the interior of pascal's look like and contrast yeah. it to like the crystal and the soft whites and the only red that you see is is wine. Yeah. So that's I think that's important to to look at. But of course, it doesn't last forever. It doesn't last forever. So everybody like, enjoys everybody this. is in paradise. Yes. During the feast. But we're still on earth. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually the feast comes to a close because everybody's full. Yeah. Everybody's drunk to Every- fill. Everybody's done. And it comes out that uh, Louis Primo isn't coming and never was coming. Yes. Gabriella spills the beans like, hey, you should tell them. Because yeah. she's, she's had enough. And, this is, and that's where I think you may not think it changes you, but it does. Because yeah. Gabriella says, he deserves it. He worked very hard. Yeah. He deserves to know. And that's when Gabriella says, he was never coming. Because Pascal wanted to do this to ruin him. Yeah. It was just a good business deal. Exactly. This was just smart. You get a nice meal out of it and you get the chef to come over. Yeah. But the thing is, is that Secundo thinks he, that is his, his uh, safety net, right? He always has a plan B. So he's like, you know what? If this doesn't work out, then we'll go work at Pascal's. I'm not yeah. going to go back to Italy, but I have a, I have a plan. Yeah. But guess what? Primo also does. Yeah. Secundo thinks that Primo doesn't understand. off in the sky and doesn't yeah. understand. Anything. Yeah. Whereas as Primo is as fully committed to Secundo as Secundo thinks he is committed to Primo. Yeah. And actually isn't. Yeah. Because Primo's like, hey, if I go, my brother goes. You know, because really the chef's position, like what he gets in Italy is really only for him. Yeah. But he's like, nope, I have to talk it over with my brother. I'm not going to just say yes over the phone. Yeah. Uh, so they both have a plan B. So can they come together? Because the, the offer in Rome is to do, is to still have creative license. Yeah, it's to it do what Primo come, wants and without the with learning curve. doesn't come with the strings attached. Yeah, and you don't have to teach people there. Yeah. They already like what you, you make. Yeah. So for, for Primo, it's very easy that would be the easy thing for Primo to do. Right. And we're never told why they want, like, why they came to America. Right. Except for you kind of have it in that discussion with Secundo and uh, Pascal that yeah, you, your efforts make you, you rich. Yes. Or at least that's what Secundo thinks. thinks. Yeah. It is true that it, it's a different way to climb up than, than Europe, but I think it's different than Secundo realizes or realizes. Yeah, you don't know what, what cost. Yes. Uh, so then we have Phyllis finds out about Secundo and Gabriella. Mm-hmm. So she runs to the beach 
And then Sakundo. I honestly remembered it before watching it that she, she was trying to drown herself and somebody went in and got her. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, she. I think she's trying to cleanse herself. Yeah. She's trying to depart from the the filth that has washed off on her from Secundo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think it's because doesn't she say something kind of like, when I look at you, I don't see you anymore or something like, when I'm not look, even, no, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not even, even here. here. Yeah. I'm not even here. You can't see me. I'm not even here. Yeah. So Secundo's on the beach and then, then Phyllis leaves and Primo comes with one of the most heart wrenching fights ever. Yeah. Like it's beautifully choreographed. Yeah. But it's definitely a sibling fight. It's yeah, like, it's yeah. like it's it's two people who don't know how to fight fighting. Yeah, and it obviously, like you have to realize in a movie everything is choreographed. Yeah. So even though it looks like they're really bad fighters, and like like that's on purpose. Yeah, because like know, they they have to stage where everything's gonna go, and so that yeah. the hits look real, and so they do such a good job making it look like people are angry and like I want to hurt you. But I'm, I don't want to hurt you. I yeah. want to hurt you. I want to rip your head off, but I, I don't want to because you're my brother. Right. There's a lot of, like, Primo beats the sand a lot. Yeah. Because he's, like, trying to take out his aggression, but he doesn't really want to hurt Secundo. So there's a lot of, like, slapping and holding back on punches, but then releasing punches. And so it's, it's really powerful how they, they do that. It's finally Primo's moment to say, look, Secundo. You need to get your head right. Yeah. You need to... Stop messing it up for yourself. Yeah. He's like, I try to teach you. Because Secundo's like, you never do anything. You don't help with anything. You just have your head up in the clouds. You don't understand that we're starving, that we're dying. Yeah. And and Primo's just like, I tried. I tried to teach you. You, you have to understand, Secundo, if I sacrifice my work... It dies. And if it dies, I die. And that's the weird thing about the word sacrifice is because for Primo, it, it is a sacrifice because it sets him apart and people will try to tear him down because of it, yeah, as we like have seen. Pascal, yeah. Uh, people will try to use him because of it. So it is a sacrifice. But what he's talking about is that if I don't create the best I can, if I don't make the food that I'm supposed to be making, then it dies. And if it dies, I die, meaning it is an integral part of who I am. I cannot separate yes. this. I can't give up that knowledge of God. I can't give up that relationship with God. That is that is who I am. If if I give that up, I die. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, and, and like once once you're compromised, mm -hmm. you can't get it back. It's a movie that's anti-compromise, which makes it a movie I really like. <laughs> <laughs> Secundo leaves the beach after that and you're kind of left wondering what is the state of things? What is the state of things and what is what is going to happen? And Secundo goes back to the restaurant, and there's Pascal. And they have this conversation, and Pascal does put his finger on what the problem is. It's like, well, well, who are you? Like, what are you, Secundo? Yeah. Secundo kind of gives the, like, the, the question back to him, and Pascal says, I am a businessman. 
I am whatever I need to be. To whoever I need. Exactly. At that time. And so he says, Secundo, you have a choice. Who are you going to be? And that's when it kind of, that's, that's when it clicks for Secundo. Yeah. Who he is. He says that my brother is rare. My brother has a gift. And you will never have him. Yeah. So his job, who Secundo is, what he is supposed to be doing, is protecting Primo's gift. He is to make sure that Pascal's in the world never touch him. So in a way, the analogy could be that Pascal's the serpent, right? Mm-hmm. And Secundo is supposed to be Adam protecting the tree. Oh, I like that. Oh, say that again. <laughs> Pascal is the devil. Is Tempti- the serpent. Is the serpent tempting Secundo. And Secundo is Adam, who is supposed to protect the tree and the garden, who is Primo. I think that's a very good way to look at it. Because, again, like you have paradise, you're kicked out of paradise. You have the mm-hmm. temptation in paradise. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think that's very helpful. Secundo finally gets... Gets it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> he finally gets it. Uh, and you're kind of like, well, it took you long enough to figure that one out. Yeah. Uh, he finally gets it. And uh, the, the closing scene is him making eggs the next morning. And if you ever have, like, if you watch Big Night and you enjoy it, please, please, please pick up a copy of Stanley Tucci's book, Taste. So fun to read. Okay. Uh, we didn't give any trigger warnings for this movie, for like profanity. Oh. Should we? I mean, there's profanity in it. Like, okay, so like a lot of adult films. And yeah, like it's an adult film. It's not for children, like Ratatouille is, and it's there's uh, fornicating. Th- there's drinking, yeah, drinking, and gluttony. Yeah, and there's there's some language. And I was just gonna say, like, if you read Stanley Tucci's book, you can anticipate similar language thrown in to the book. It's a movie about life. and it's, Watch at a, your own expense or something like that. I don't know. That's not the right saying. <laughs> Watch at your own. What, whatever it costs you. That's... Whatever, whatever it costs you. It probably cost me 10 bucks. Stanley Tucci talks about the last, the last scene in his book. Okay. About how scary it was because it is done in one cut. Oh, yeah. As soon as he walks in the door, there is not a cut. And the camera pans a little bit, but he is on all the way through. And he's like, yeah, I'm making scrambled eggs, but dang, to do it flawlessly, like in a dance-like motion. Yeah. And to make sure that you have the, the pan hot enough, but not too hot and make sure it doesn't stick. Like yeah. eggs always stick. Yep. He's not using a nonstick pan. He's nope. using a real pan. Well, he has a grown like, man uh, pan. Yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> good. You got the olive oil in there. Very authentic. Very good. But then I was wondering if that, like, I was like, I don't think that's a prop. That that definitely seems like he really He made... really cooked that. Yeah. From start to finish. And that's. It's really beautiful and like like how to rip the bread and everything. I'm like we've all done it where we're like we're gonna look so cool and rip this bread and the bread doesn't rip properly. It just kind of unspirals. It uh, just or... spirals. Like either you get way too big a chunk or like a teeny teeny tiny one. Yeah. Uh, so just realize, and I'm sure it took. I forget now from his book how many takes it took. Uh, but just enjoy 
that you get to see something in a movie that's that's done in real time, that's done、mm-hmm. start to finish. And I love editing, but to see something like that、um, makes me think of the Hitchcock film Rope. Yeah. Where it's all done in one take. Yeah. And when you're a life film, I think to have an element of lifey lifeness. Yes. In there, especially closing it off. Yeah, the last、uh, scene is, is d- good. The pacing is so good. You were mentioning this, how the pacing is so good, because I love how you have Cristiano at the very beginning, wistfully looking at the sea, and then coming in and like lighting、mm-hmm. up a cigarette and opening the restaurant and kind of like sweeping. Yeah. And that that mood is echoed at the end, where things are a little bit slow and and, and sleepy, sleepy and a little bit tense too. Yeah,、uh, because Cristiano's in the in the kitchen and and Secundo, but where's Primo? Yeah, and eventually Primo walks in, and they share eggs together, and they hug. Yeah, man. Like, like they hug arm and like side while、hug. they're side side hug while they're eating, like、yeah. while they're eating. That's what the whole point of this movie is. So beautiful. They're they're eating it, and、uh, yeah, that's the end of the movie. And so it is wonderfully ambiguous. And that's what what Tucci said he was going for.、Uh, you are left with what I think is a repaired relationship. I think that Sakundo does know who he is now. Yes, and I think he is ready to fight for Primo, and I think Primo is is understanding Sakundo better as well. But what are we left with? It, You're not left with knowing, like, do they go back to Rome? Do they、yes. start a new restaurant up somewhere? Do they work for somebody else? Obviously, does he get、gal. together with Phyllis? Yeah, right. Like, we don't know anything about like his relationships there.、Uh, but with the ambiguity, I I do think that that makes it better. I definitely think that if you knew exactly, like, epilogue. Here we are in Italy, and we're so happy. Or like、yeah. epilogue, tw- you know, twelve years later after hardship, we opened this other restaurant in in Kansas City, and everybody loves it. It makes well, it so cheap, then. Well, I think too, it it lacks the realness of what the whole movie was about. Is that the story isn't over,、mm-hmm. and really stories aren't over until everybody's dead, and we、yeah. don't have that long to watch. Yeah, and this movie spans a very short time. Yeah. It's like two, like a week. I think it's a week. Yeah. So it it, it spans basically. It feels like two days, though. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a week and is is mostly centered around the one day. And or you could say the one big night. <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> uh, so that you understand where the relationship is, is the important thing in the movie.、And、that's what the movie was about. Yeah, from the start. From the very beginning. Editing Megan here, and I just wanted to say I was really struck while piecing this all together at the similarities between Ratatouille and Big Night. How you have a character that is the artist and the character that is the supporter, and 
neither of them will do well without each other. So you, you have Remy who needs Linguini, you have Primo who needs Secundo. And I just want to say to everyone listening, a massive thank you because without you listening or supporting the arts and, and other artists, not just, just us, but without you, it, it doesn't work. It's a, a symbiotic relationship where we serve you and you serve us. And it's, it's beautiful how you lift a community up and build a community. And uh, I think that's, that's maybe why we picked these two movies subconsciously, because it really speaks to what we're trying to do here at Ducks Never Waver. Uh, but I just thought maybe think about that, how the, the similarities between that and also just I'm sure that Brad Bird saw Big Night and I, I think it's fun to see how movies take what's been made and build upon it and so that you can see like a relationship and a adult film uh, broken down and made into a cute fuzzy rat and a noodly young man with orange hair. It's so much. It is so much. So, I think we should do cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger! Guess what, guys? You do not get to know what the best food movie is. Not yet. Not yet. And that's why he's called Cliffhanger. Can't hold on much longer. You will have to stay tuned. You will have to follow us on this podcast platform, wherever you are listening to. Yes, subscribe. Subscribe to us. That's what it's called. Write a review. Yeah. Tell give, us you give want Give us a m- like. More, more, more. <laughs> so we have Ratatouille, which is number three. We have Big Night, which is number secundo. <laughs> and we... <laughs> that worked out really well. Okay, so... <laughs> and then we're going to have our last one. So yeah. put your guesses in what is actually the best food movie. Ooh. Uh, and Everybody s- will lose. You think everyone will lose? Except for the people who who, who will win. No. <laughs> we have to we have to clarify that family mother members are, are oh uh, excluded. Uh, yes. Oh yes. Um, it's kind of like the fine print on like the lo- lottery lottery <laughs> that, that you can't you can't win if you're connected to anybody who's running it. Right. And anybody that we've given the movie to is excluded. Yeah. Anybody that we've ever talked to in our entire life be- since we've ever seen the movie. Is excluded. excluded. Yeah. It's a lot of exclusions. So basically one listener. Yeah. See if you can figure it out, people. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. So anyways, we're very excited about that. And then we're going to dive into more movies after that. Yes. Because it is is winter. And it is the, the season for movies and the season for colds and the season to watch movies while having a coat. I know I know that's what happened to us. If you were wondering what happened to to us for what was it? 2 weeks? Couple weeks? 1 week? 1 week for sure. Was it 1 week? I don't know how long we were out. It felt like forever that both of us got sick and then we both got snowed out in. What, we were <laughs> We got snowed apart. Yes. <laughs> You were over there and I was over here and we could not meet. No, there's the great the great drift. <laughs> we were drifting apart. <laughs> so that's why sick, sickness and snow, which seem to go hand in hand. But yes, decorating Christmas trees now. So you have, you know, look forward to comforting movies and uplifting movies about food. And then we have Christmas movies coming up. Yes. 
uh, if you're looking for Christmas gifts, check out Ducks Never Waver. We got you covered. We got beautiful gift sets, both small and larger. So we have a variety of, of prices because I know gotta you gotta watch your budget. I, you I really do? we really do understand that, and like we try to offer you guys affordable but handmade with quality, which is a hard balance, I will say. Yes. But we are really striving to bring you stuff that that is affordable and presented in a very giftable, fun way, which giftable is not a word. But no, I, and there, <laughs> the, the thing is, it's hard to find gifts for people that – because there's, there's sometimes you find gifts – um, and they're too expensive, mm-hmm. right? Like the yeah. person's like, like not, they're perfect the person's gift, not worth but it. they're not worth it. Yeah. Sorry, Edwin, we, you weren't we, worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. This is why I don't get gifts. But <laughs> honestly. You, you, you're not even worth the coal, honestly. But if you know that, it, like, let's say you have a spouse and and they're worth more than, than you can afford anyways, um, mm-hmm. this is a great, we're a great place to look because we have unique Handmade items that yeah. really razzle dazzle. Mm-hmm. I like that. Give them the old razzle dazzle, razzle dazzle. Yeah, and we also I added a um, Christmas tree ornament. First time I've ever done an ornament, so it's a mushroom that's crocheted using reclaimed yarn and stuffed with little scrap bits of yarn. So very adorable, but also uses materials that would go to waste as a good scrap stewardship friendly exactly it keeps people from throwing away yarn and keeps me happy and i like making mushrooms it actually turned out really fun i just kind of wung it is that the term winged it yep you you winged (laughs) it i shot it down from its flight no i just kind of went for it and i think it turned out really cute yeah I, i people would argue that mushrooms aren't quintessentially christmassy and to oh, those people, this... I would say, one, have you ever had any food that has mushroom in it? Mm. Like, let's face it. Most people are eating stuffed mushrooms around the holidays. Yeah, Almost that's every true. Christmas dinner that I've been, yeah. I've, I've gone to yeah. has had stuffed mushrooms. So yeah. don't tell me they're not Christmassy. Yeah. And two, if you don't like mushrooms, I think you just don't like happiness. Because, like, let's face it, mushrooms are weird because they're not Mm. alive, but they kind of are alive. Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Now, mostly dead is slightly alive. Mm -hmm. And they give you nutrients that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, it's amazing what mushrooms like if you get into like the whole like health side of mushrooms Mm -hmm. crazy no the way i view mushrooms is as the it's the quacky flower it's quacky flower it's it's like a flower but cooler Mm -hmm. and it it, you know grows in the dark and forest but it can have bright colors and that's the thing like with like is it christmas or not the mushrooms i made are red you can get a pink version version as well uh, but they're red, so like red, green, Christmas, white, yeah, huh, works for me. Yeah, color coded. <laughs> Classic Christmas. We hope you have enjoyed the Ducks Never Waver lunch break. If you would like to fill your senses with more Ducks Never Waver goodness, you can feast your eyeballs on Instagram and Facebook. Touch some of our beautiful pieces that we will ship right to your door by ordering them through Etsy. Or you can continue hearing us on this magnificent culmination of auditory recordation. 
Donation buckets are in the description for you to invest in the betterment of this podcast. We will work diligently to read and present interesting topics. Your hard-earned money will be joyously and gratefully spent to improve your lunch break. Want to keep your hard-earned money? And who doesn't? You can still support us and yourself by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing this here podcast with all the other ducks in your life. Stay quacky.